Michael, hi. Thank you for being here um, as a guest on, on the podcast for Kinexus Customer Spotlight. So if you could start off, maybe introduce uh, yourself and tell us a little bit about um, your career, Carolina's health system, give us some of the background. Sure. Um, my name is obviously Michael Johnston. I'm a vice president in corporate operations within Carolina's healthcare system. Um, uh, my background actually is I spent about 16 years in manufacturing uh, before I moved into healthcare. I've been in healthcare about nine years. Started in the Trinity system um, with the hospital system out in Iowa and then came here to um, Carolina's healthcare system. And so, how would you describe? I don't know if you would even frame it as a quote unquote lean journey or maybe, you know, tell us about. Uh, you know the your work, your team's work, the uh, the improvement structure there in the health system. Sure, you know um, Carolina's healthcare has probably been on the, in an improvement journey about eight to nine years. Um, they started probably pretty much like most people do with the consultants uh, that came in and did some traditional project work, and then you know found the the value and benefit and decided to start its own internal department, um, and at that. Uh, you know, was was very much point Kaizen projects, things like that. I started here about four and a half years ago, and about four years ago was asked to uh, take over the continuous improvement or lean department. Um, at that time, I, I noticed that it was pretty much four separate uh, functions. One was doing projects. One was doing Six Sigma type uh, work. One probably more the traditional. Um, RIEs and, and Kaizen events and you know I, I really thought that uh, it needed a more blended approach and so we reorganized the department to really focus more on instead of projects what we call engagements and over the last four years it's really been uh, creating a strategy around one leadership behaviors and then obviously strategy and how we drive this as part of the alignment with organizational priorities. And how would you describe, you know, we talk about those priorities and, and we're going to talk about strategy deployment, Hoshan Conry, Obeya, this all kind of ties together. But um, how do those, how are those priorities supported by the improvement work? Okay. So the way we organize is I have five teams um, or five directors that, that report up through me. And each of those directors have eight people. Um, and so we have little over 40, about 44 people in our department, um, which we call PEC or Performance Excellence Center. We have one team that's solely dedicated to education um, and they really do the education for not only the lean work, um, but also any of the, some of the behavior work. And it, it, it's 100% work for those, those dedicated resources. The other four teams are aligned around either our medical group, um, work or within our um, acute care settings. So within those settings that are driven by the, the strategies that we have in your organization, uh, the facility CEOs and their senior teams place where we work and, and what we're working on across the value stream in those areas. Mm -hmm. And they probably help define some of the why. So, I mean, what would the answer be if, if people ask why lean, why structured improvement for Carolina's health system? You know, that's a good question. No, uh, it, you know, that's, it, it's a thing that you hear a lot. You know, yeah. why, why lean? Uh, 
we've been lucky. We have an uh, an amazing uh, senior team that definitely supports us. Um, and we even went through a leadership change at the top with a new CEO, and, and it did nothing but actually not only su- excel, support it, but accelerate it. Uh, it's on our what we call our Destination 2020, our strategic plan. We're on one of the pillars as far as where we need to go as an organization, which is lean. So for us, it hasn't been a fight or um, something as to, you know, how do we justify it? It's mm-hmm. what we do. It's become part of our management system. Oh, that's great. And we'll get to delve into a little bit more on measures and, and results uh, as we talk here. Um, but recently, well, back in June, uh, at the, the Lean Healthcare Transformation Summit uh, in Palm Springs, um, you did a presentation. Um, you'll have to forgive me. I did not go to your presentation, <laughs> Michael, but you know how it is. There's always you know six excellent presentations all happening at the same time. Um, but uh, thankfully, uh, Dr. Greg Jacobson, our, our CEO, here at Kinexus, of course, went to your presentation. He, he learned a lot, um, kind of helped prompt doing the discussion today. So, you know, the presentation was about the usage of uh, an OBEA process, OBEA system. Can you talk about that? Um, what, what does the word OBEA mean? What does that process mean for Carolina's health system? Yeah, I mean, I think the genesis for us um you know, why we went to what we call an obeya process. I mean, really, it's, it's a room. But mm-hmm. for, for us, the obeya was something that was missing in, in our lean management system. We definitely had strategies. Um, you know, we were using strategic A3s. Uh, we had a lot of different tools that we were using within the organization. Um, but the execution side, as far as the follow-up with the metrics, uh, we felt was, was lacking. And so we did a little bit of research. And the OBEA process is what we put in place. You know, it's it's really kind of a, an open room. That's really what the concept talks about. It's, it's kind of a form of project management, but we call it kind of our truth-telling room. Mm. Uh, you know, it does follow that PDCA cycle. Um, and so for us, it has all the charts, it has all the graphs, it has all the metrics in the room. And But it really is for us to assist us in our problem-solving and way to um, expose gaps. And for it, it's really broken down the barriers and really accelerated our PDSA cycle. Now, does that room exist at the overall system level and or hospital site levels? Yeah, so we've been on the journey about three years with this now. We started it, um, so in our hospital system, we have a our own building for our, our lean group, our PC. We started it as a pilot in our area. So anywhere where we are engaged in as a lean team with our strategies, we didn't obey a process here to, to test it out. That pilot worked very well. We did it with the leaders and now we have it in our different facilities. So four of our facilities have um, obey rooms in the process that we use. And we just started to put it up in one of our corporate areas. So it's starting to accelerate as we go out. Now let's step back and you know talk about the word itself. It's a Japanese word, right? What's the best translation of the word? Yeah, what what we look at is like big big room, war room. Um, that's probably the best way to look at it, or large room. Um, so you know, I, people get stuck on on what it means for us. It's it's a room where everyone comes together. We you know we get all the liars in the same room on the same page. Mm-hmm talking about what needs to be done and it's 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 constant flow of 
execution, knocking down barriers, seeing our hotspots to enable that fast problem solving. Right. So you you had called it not just big room, but earlier you called it the truth telling room. And then yeah. you call it, you know, I mean, tongue in cheek, all the liars. So it begs a follow up question. Tell me more about that. Why? It, why, why do organizations perhaps need more truth telling? Yeah. Or what, um, gets, or what gets in the way of truth telling? Yeah. Well, I think what, one thing that gets in the way, especially in healthcare, it, it's every industry. You know, we had the same thing in manufacturing. It's we're siloed. You know, we, we become great at what we do in our own areas and our own silos. And because of that, sometimes we don't look across, you know, that, that value stream. And by, you know, it's not necessarily that people aren't telling the truth, but right. they're only telling the truth in their own way. Bringing people together, I mean, forcing them physically to get together, not by Skype, not by, you know, me, uh, you know, some kind of um, email. When they have to talk to each other, that's the truth telling, you know, and it forces us to use a Socratic questioning. It forces us to bring things to the forefront that really sometimes would be uncomfortable, but it also starts to build relationships where leaders start to talk together in the organization and instead of holding things back or or you know maybe not saying the, the full full issue that truth comes out and mm -hmm. it, it is tongue-in-cheek for us but it, yeah. it's something that needs to be done more in healthcare i think yeah so what i hear you saying is you're trying to break down silos maybe see the real reality and that includes goals measures progress on planned improvement absolutely yep yeah. So can you maybe try to paint a picture of the room of somebody who will walk into this big open room? What what do they see? How does that fit with your strategy deployment? Or do you, I, don't know, I forget if you call it Hoshan Conry process? Yeah, yeah um, we use them both interchangeably, Hoshan or strategy deployment. So uh -huh. if you walked in the room, you know, we have four walls. Um, and in some of our advanced areas, we're using all four walls and some of that we just started the process and some of the hospitals, it, it starts out with one wall. So you'll see our overall arching strategy or destination 2020 with our three pillars. So we have our true north metrics um, where we want to go. And then you'll see it cascading down um, the strategy A3s and perhaps mother A3s or level one, level two A3s and then activity plan A3s. And I know obviously those are our terms. People use different different tools and terms. And then what we use is gate charts, really, which those are the metrics that really define what we're doing. And it, it's really to show the cascading from the top all the way down to the department or lower level. The other things you'll see in our most advanced area, we've actually taken strings. And for each metric at every level, we tie it to see how it ties into the next level. Um, and that was something we just did this year as part of our process to see, have we really tied a metric all the way up? from the top of the organization down to the bottom. And we found this year, there were some that all of a sudden we were doing things and had a metric, but it wasn't tied. Um, so you're so physically connecting physically, with, with, with a string. Yes, right? actually okay. physically connecting with string. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty neat picture. Um, something that, that we're sharing with, with others now and it's a practice that we'll probably continue on. Yeah. So that's one wall. It just really defines, it, that, that's the work for this year and, and following years. Um, on another wall, then what you'll see is um, basically the the pro what we call the hot spots. So where are the things that we de determine each week that we might need to um, move, adjust, uh, put our resources in because we call these our must do can't fails. Um, so we address those things on a week to week basis. 
and that that continues there. The other wall is what we call our teams. So we have it's kind of rapid response teams. We have a cross-functional team for what we call a rapid assessment team, a 5S team, a problem-solving team, um, a standard work team, and I'm missing one, problem-solving standard work, 5S, wrappers and huddle implementation. Those are teams that actually go out to areas that might need some extra support um, for part of the system work. So when you talk about tools and systems, they're teams that help support other than the regular engagements that we have. Um, on the other wall, um, what you're going to see is basically the countermeasures that we put in place for the previous week and the countermeasures are going to be coming forward and the hypothesis of what we say we're going to um, get out of it. So that's part of our learning wall. So what did we say we were going to do? Did we actually do it and what did we get out of it? And then our reflection on that. So that's kind of a, what you'd see in our most advanced and then pieces of that depending on where each um, organization or each part of um, our organization is on that journey. Yeah, and and for people, you know, obviously we're, we're describing a lot of visual processes yeah, in yeah. an audio format. Um, Michael uh, is is sitting in his office. Uh, maybe actually, yeah. So he's doing it off recall, so you know uh, the process instead of being there <laughs> in the. I should maybe I should have asked you to do the call from the Obeya. Yeah. Um, but maybe you know, since this is an audio format, you're doing a good job of explaining what's there. Um, if, if you've got some photos from the presentation you gave at the summit, if you can share that, maybe we can post that in a companion Absolutely. Uh, companion piece to uh, the, the audio here. Um, one other thing I want to maybe step back and, and see if you could elaborate on is True North, not just the True North measures, but even just the concept of True North. Can you talk about maybe both what that is and what that means to Carolina's health system? Sure. Um, so obviously we have a true north. You know, when you talk about your mission and vision, um, you know, we we really do go by, especially with our new senior leadership team, something that, that is a catalyst for the organization as we, we look to what we call Destination 2020. Where are we moving out to? And for us, it's, you know, improve health, elevate hope and advance healing for all. And when you look at it that way, that's really what's galvanized us to say, this is kind of what we're looking out to. This is our North Star and from a vision standpoint to be the first and best choice for care. If that is our qualitative, you know, what we call true north of where we want to go, our mission and vision, what are those metrics that we have to achieve um, to make sure we get there over the next couple of years? And, and for us, it's growth, value, and affordability. And those three things, you know, we have obviously um, financial targets, um, the amount of uh, visits we want to increase, and some of our growth numbers, our efficiency. So, it's, it's those two things that really drive the whole organization from a, a corporate level. It's, mm -hmm. it's the, the qualitative mission and vision or true north statement. And then um, those three pillars or those three qua or quantitative metrics that start all of us really going to. Mm -hmm. And then within that context of you know, defining true north um, and then talking about measures, gaps, initiatives, what's the process for deciding or who decides what those, as you called them, and, and others called them, must do, can't fail initiatives. Right. Because I'm sure there's there, there's countless number of initiatives that could be done. So how do you decide the must and the should? Yeah, and that's I'm sure with every, you know a, a lot of us. I've talked to a lot of people, um, whether it's some of the uh, uh, leaders at Kinexus um, and you know who they 
uh, have as their customers and who they deal with or, or some of the people at the Transformation Summit. We, we as well are in this journey and, and it's, it's hard. I mean, this is a hard part of the whole process. It starts with we have um, our senior team really decides where some of the um, strategies are for us. And with our new senior team, they're taking a much more hands-on approach, which is good for us. So that helps with alignment. Mm-hmm. Um, so that starts there. So if we are told that, you know, as part of that, you know, affordability, and we have to look for $300,000 or $300 million in costs over the next couple of years, what do we have to do this year at this facility if that's where we're going to be? Who decides at that point would be the senior team of that facility, the CEO, the CNO, the CFO? And how do they tie in their strategy to the corporate high-level True North or True North metrics? What piece of it do they have? And at that point, you really go through the process of from them deciding what departments or what service lines impact it the most. We get our resources allocated based upon that, and it, and it flows down. It doesn't mean, and this is where people struggle, it doesn't mean that you still don't have, you know, 60 things you have to work on. Mm-hmm. But the focus is what's most important to move those True North metrics. The must-do can't fails, as a lot of people say. That would be if the resources came to this or that, it would get the resources first. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, and it's really to us what we teach. It's how do we quicken the PDSA cycle? If I can learn to do two things really well this year on our you must-do can't fails. Maybe next year I can do four. Mm-hmm. And so I can start to knock those down. And, and it's, you know, going slow to go fast. Yeah. And when you talk about these cycles, you mentioned PDCA cycles. There's, I imagine, learning, iteration that takes place. If the organization is in the first year overestimating its capacity <laughs> to do, must do, can't fail. So hopefully there's some checking and adjusting for the future years of not or maybe even within the year to say, hey, we've bitten off more than we can chew. We need to further focus. Yeah, that Mark, you hit it on the head. That's that's absolutely right. I mean, that's probably pretty much what drove that Obey a process for us. Exactly the gap. Because you start out and you think, oh, yeah, I can do I can do everything. Or, you know, I can do 10 things or I can hit all these metrics. And they learn that that doesn't happen. One thing that we found out is, you know, you have these PDSA cycles at the high level. So, you, you know, you start with your strategy, you have a mid-year review, you have an end-year review, and that, that's very high level. You have, you know, maybe monthly reviews. The OBEY process for us, it's, it's weekly, but within that week, each department, um, there's, a, there's a cadence that they go through. That forces us to say, hey, are we actually able to do what we say we're going to do? The OBEY really tied it, all of the, the pieces together for us. And, and really, that's the thing I think was more, it, it, it's like the gear that sped things up for us. That's mm. probably the best analogy. Because um, it's what you said. It, it's, it's, you, you think you have eyes bigger than what you can do. The obey process really helps you focus. It's like that, those glasses that say, okay, this is probably what we really can do. And there's probably some of that truth telling that takes place. There's no hiding <laughs> the lack of progress if... Uh... If you if the organization's taken on too much, right? Exactly. It's also emotionally. We found out. You know, we got a lot of feedback on our menu review. We just had that by doing the obeya process. A lot of times, people before we had it, you know, things would build up and then there'd be a big explosion because something didn't happen or we weren't where we needed to be, and it caused a big chaos. The obeya process. You still have, if you want to look at it cumulatively, you might have the same chaos, but it's such at a low level that you resolve it. 
the emotional baggage and, and, and issues that occur happen very quickly and they get resolved as opposed to those big major crises. So it seems like the role I'm guessing then with, uh, like I said, the, the emotion, um, you know, I don't know if politics, I guess I mean, politics is in every organization. The, 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 this process is not just about rational numbers, mapping, it's, it's not just about logic. I mean, you have organizations full of people, right? Yeah. And it, again, you're right, Mark, that the politics are involved, but what it does, it does eliminate a lot of that because, mm. you know, the, the biggest thing about this that we tie into, you have your Gemba, you know, you got your leader staying to work, you're going out to Gemba. Well, when you get our executives, some of our, our facility presidents that go out to Gemba, the OBEA process really for them, when you talk about the, the truth telling room or the open room, well, when they've been out and then the OBEA happens and you got these departments talking about where they're at, these leaders ask the right questions now. They're able to ask these questions and um, a lot of the, the stuff is just broken down because they see, wow, this OBEA was powerful because now I understand what's being said. The OBEA is powerful because now I can take where we have gaps and apply the lean or lean tools back to you know, what we need to do as opposed to just doing tools. Hmm. And, and, and that's, I mean, that, that probably sets a good example for the organization when you talk about a process like this is not just about tools that I imagine Cascade sets an example for things you mentioned earlier, 5S, standard work, any of those other practices are also not just a tool, right? Yep, exactly. It also helps with the Yokoten. So is we share um, issues across because we, we are, again, in some areas we have a tiered obeya. So if you're doing an OBEA with your executive team or executive level on a Friday, as you move down, say on a Monday, it might be with a, a nurse on a unit with her super, nursing supervisors. On Tuesday, it might be the nursing manager with the director. On Wednesday, it's all the directors with the AVP, and then they end up talking to the CNO at the facility on the Friday at the major OBEA. By doing that, we can share best practices rapidly and it also is another tool for leadership development because you find out where the gaps are quickly. Yeah. And um, just to, to do another word check for anyone listening who's not familiar, Yokoten, basically it's that process of spreading, sharing, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so on, on the topic of sharing, you know, at Kinexus, of course, you know, we, we talk about spreading continuous improvement. Um, we, we love it when our, our customers are collaborating and learning from each other. Um, you know, the people at the Lean Healthcare Transformation Summit, those who are part of the Healthcare Value Network, um, also value um, sharing and, and learning from each other. Can you talk about what's happened uh, when, you, when you've invited other organizations to come visit and see what you're doing? Um, what would have been, you know, I think the, the benefits to the visitor would be clear. What, how would, what are the benefits for you or for your team and, and for Carolina's health system when you host others? Well, I, I think from hosting others, one, um, it's just reciprocal learning. I mean, we just had visitors here this week for a mid-year review. What it causes is them to ask a lot of questions of you about your process. And honestly, it exposes gaps that you didn't think about. Mm -hmm. um, two, obviously, it keeps you at a, at a place or a standard um, that you're, you're continuously improving because you don't you're not just doing it as a one-time let's get ready for an audit it's just who you are mm -hmm. um you know, you know you mentioned some and the other thing 
probably the biggest part. It's also continuous improvement and learning for us. Kind access, I think, is, is an important part. One of the things that we did our PDSA on this, this whole process, the Obey and Ocean process um, at the beginning of the year this year was the whole sharing, not only in facilities, but how do we do it across our facilities? Mm -hmm. You know, we reached out to some of our partners and, you know, some of them that are using Kinexus and they said, you know, this is probably one way that could get that. And that's why for us, it, it allows us to advance and learn and, and bring, you know, companies like Kinexus to, to improve our processes. So the more you can host, the more you can have people here helps you learn about the things that you might not see in your day-to-day -day practice. Yeah. And, and, and in the context of, um, of, of learning, you know, you mentioned earlier uh, misperceptions about either OBEA, strategy deployment, uh, HOSHIN. Um, are, are there other misunderstandings that, um, that are out there that, that are good to try to address? Yeah, um, that's a good question. You know, for us, again, you know, we're a couple years in, but I'd, as everybody says, I don't want to be cliche, but we're so early on our journey. Yeah. Um, the misconception at first is that, you know, you're going to come into this room and you're just going to start to talk. And at first it becomes a presentation. People are just reporting the news. That's not what this is about. And so one of the misconceptions is, oh, it's a news reporting. It's absolutely not that. It's, it's a catch ball process mm. to force people to speak the truth or to talk about the problems so that we can rapidly resolve them. And Every time we start it, no matter where we go, and, and this is where we're trying to improve our learning, it's um, it's not a, just a reporting the news. It's actually a, a back and forth, and, and that's a misconception people have. Mm -hmm. And it's also just not about the room. It's really about the relationships that are built and the behaviors that are, that are, that are created to, to create leadership competencies and abilities to go back out. So to me, this is a – I mean, I didn't know – I, I've been through this process before, but doing it and implementing it the way that we're doing it, I think it's even taught me that this is a key piece to kind of bringing it all together. Mm -hmm. yeah, and, and you know, I'm still really fascinated by the, you know, the, the concept of organizational truth telling and, and transparency and uh, that leading to better performance. There, there's a phrase that I think you used in your presentation. I've heard Pascal Dennis use um, the, 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 the same phrase. So let's just ask, what, what is quote unquote happy talk and why should we avoid that? Yeah, um, happy talk. <laughs> happy talk is definitely a, a problem in any organization because it does not get to the root cause of the problem. I mean, obviously it's lean uh, people we talk about. We have to be able to see the problem before we can solve the problem. All happy talk does is it tells us what either has already been done um, or it doesn't expose the problem so we can solve it. So <laughs> this, this obey a process, it really does force us to not, you know, we report the news as far as the metrics go, but what we really want to hear more is what are the problems. It, it, it is a journey when we start this anywhere. The first couple of months are hard because people, one, are afraid to show the red. Red is, red is difficult for people at first. If I show red, it's bad. Switching that in the organization, teaching the senior leaders that we want the red, we want people to expose problems, that gets rid of the happy talk. So the happy talk technically becomes when you show red, not when you show green. Mm -hmm. um, and so we, we talk uh, about 
a, a couple things. So we use a, a green and red. Sometimes we'll use a yellow when we talk target condition, but it's not about the color. It's about how you respond to the color. Hmm. If, if you have a green, you better be talking not so much about the green, but what are you doing to put standard work in place to make sure you audit it and sustain it. If it's red, that's fine too. Your, your conversation should be about what are you doing to get to root cause, put countermeasures in to get there. And that's what's changed the conversation, I think, for us from happy talk to, I guess, um, action. Mm -hmm. well, that's great. And as we start to wrap up here, Michael, um, you know, we, we, we try to live all of this ourselves within Kinexus. We are pretty uh, intensely focused on our own ongoing continuous improvement as a, as a company, as, as a team. Um, we like truth telling. We're, we're not going to ask for a happy <laughs> talk here, but let me, let, me just, you know, let me just ask. I mean, you, know, you mentioned earlier how Kinexus you know, has been a part of, of that learning and sharing. Can you maybe give us one thing that's going well and, and one thing we could do better as a, a product or as a company? Well, I can tell you one thing that Kinexus is, is, you know, we're still going through the implementation um, with Kinexus. They've, what uh, Kinexus has done extremely well for us is listen. Um, they want to hear the problems and issues um, that, that are going on in the organization. I mean, I spent time with um, the presidents uh, all the way down to some of the sales associates, and they're always asking, what can we do better? What can we do better? Not hey, how great are we? And I, I love that. And, you know, I get responses back. I just got a response back this week about, hey, I really appreciate what you told us at, at the summit on one of the issues. Here's what we put in place to resolve it. And it was great because it shows to me with this product, it, it shows not only myself but my team that, that uh, Kinexus cares about what's going on. So that, you know, it, it's kind of, it was a thing that needed to be improved, but at the same time by following the same principles um how it's getting better so um i can't say enough about the 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 group and and how you take feedback well so we're out of time no i'm kidding no <laughs> yeah right <laughs> we got the positive is there yeah. uh, i know you're communicating things you know to the to the team that's working with you but um you know not, not to put you on the spot i can always edit this out if you're uncomfortable with it but you know what what would you say is a, a future direction or, or something we could do better even in the short term you know, I think, the, and it's going to be difficult. The thing that I think could be better from a Kinexus standpoint probably would be because you have so much variation in how different organizations, quote, do lean, mm -hmm. end quotes, um, it probably is hard to find which one has the best practice to be able to go across and say what is the best standard that Kinexus will use for everybody. I think by trying to be everything to everybody, it's it might cause or seems to cause some issues as far as okay, you want this instead of being a la carte. I think maybe becoming a little bit more standard and just saying, hey, here's what we provide. Yeah, and, and you're right. That that is a challenge. That's um, the direction customers have uh, have pulled us in over the last six years. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, there's a, a, a whole different conversation to be had about. Like you said, variation in in practice. Whether you know, with lean, we talk about standardized work. Uh, I, you know, I don't think Six Sigma has monopoly on reducing variation. That's something also clearly Six Sigma talks about. And then you know, you get the lean Six Sigma land, and 
uh, sometimes, you know, I don't know who, who the we is here uh, as, <laughs> as a field. We don't always practice what we preach, but there, you know, we're we're all doing experiments and, and trying to figure things out. So I, I guess we'll, we'll just leave that out there as a thought starter for for our listeners to think about, um, unless you've got any other thoughts on that, Michael. No, that's good. I, I like that. Again, I mean, it, I'm not being um, coy or anything. I, I really yeah. do think that the the Kinexus group has done a great job of, of listening to the customer and trying to adapt. So for me, it is that standardization, though. If you, you're trying to adapt too much, that can cause too much variation, which then can cause a problem. So I just yeah. it's that cautionary tale right there. Okay. Well, good. Well, thank you for for sharing that. And uh, just in general, thank you for sharing a, a little bit about what you're doing, um, your, your cycles of learning, your cycles of improvement. Um, I really appreciate that. So again, we've been, I'm joined today by Michael Johnston from Carolina's Health System. Um, thank you so much for uh, spending time with us today. Thanks, Mark.